This episode of The Yarn is sponsored by Heinemann in their professional book, Read the World, Rethinking Literacy for Empathy and Action in a Digital Age. Colby talked with co-author Kristen Zimke about the book. This book is about technology in the classroom. You know, we feel like maybe the last few years, people have gotten distracted by all the things. And when we look at what we should be doing with kids, it's not about the things, but it's really about helping kids tell their story. It's about helping kids hear the stories of others. We really hope that educators can start seeing these devices as empathy machines and leveraging them to do good in the world and be used as tools for thinking. Technology can be a force for good in the classroom. Read the World, Rethinking Literacy for Empathy and Action in a Digital Age will show you how. Visit Heinemann.com to learn more and order a copy. Welcome to The Yarn, a school library journal production. I'm Colby Sharp. Earlier this year, I read the picture book Watercress by Andrea Wang and Jason Chin, and I was floored. The book blew me away, and I instantly knew that this would be a book that I would read to every student that I teach for the rest of my teaching career. It is that good. Well, I'm really, really excited because on today's episode of The Yarn, you get a chance to listen to a conversation I had a few weeks ago with Andrea. And next week, we'll have another new episode with illustrator Jason Chin. I am so excited to share both of these conversations with you. I talked with Andrea and Travis, my co-host, talked with Jason. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Andrea. Can you tell us a little bit about your book, Watercress? Sure. It is based on a memory. It's semi-autobiographical. This memory that I have of being basically forced to pick watercress by the side of the road uh, by my parents when I was growing up in Ohio and how I felt about it, which was not (laughs) happy and uh, how I came to an understanding um, of my parents afterwards. And um, what, what is watercress? Watercress is, well, it's a vegetable. Um, I think it's been considered to be a salad vegetable here, but Chinese people don't tend to eat vegetables raw, um, so my parents always cooked it. It grows in water, um, and where we picked it, it was kind of growing in the uh, like a water-filled ditch by the side of the road. And uh, when do you remember thinking that this could be a story? I, I looked back through my files, and the earliest version of a picture book that I have is 2007. Um, But before then, I had written it as a personal essay for adults. I just couldn't figure out how to end it or really what it meant. And so after I um, started taking classes for writing for children, I thought, why not? Let's just, it's a childhood memory. Let's put it into a picture book. Picture books are easy to write, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
And I still couldn't figure out the ending, but I had made it third person originally. And it was really long and too descriptive and had too much dialogue, et cetera. Um, and so over the years, I sort of thought about it and that memory just wouldn't let me go. So I, I think a, a few years ago, after A Different Pond was published, I read that, was just incredibly moved, started crying, thought about this book, um, this manuscript that I had shelved and took it out the next day and started working on it again. And Balfi's, you know, his background is as a poet and I had never really considered writing it um, as poetry, but it, you know, when I sat down to revise it, it came out as free verse, so. So you took classes it, to, to learn how to write for kids? What was that like? I did. Um, it was great. I, when I first started out, I was taking online courses through the Gotham Writers Workshop because um, I was still home with little kids. And then later on, I went and got my MFA in creative writing for young people through Lesley University because it was low residency and I lived in the Boston area. So I could go during the day and come home and still be with the kids at night. Why it, did it was... I'm sorry, it was uh, an amazing experience just in that it was very validating and it gave me, like I gave myself permission to focus on my writing. What made you want to write for kids? I've always wanted to write. Um, I actually have my first author bio, I hand wrote in pencil at the back of one of these books I made in like third grade or fourth grade as a child and it you know, lists my name and how old I, I, I am and that I want to be an author when I grow up. So I've always just loved stories. I kind of moved away from it because my parents were very focused on me having a job that uh, was financially stable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. Why kids? Why not adults? When I write for adults? I think my inner person is 12 years old. <laughs> Um, and I just, I love the format. Um, I loved reading to my kids when they were little and just seeing their reactions and, and you know, just inspired me to write for them, but also for the child that I was. So you rewrote this manuscript and uh, what was the process like from there to when you found out it was going to be sold and become a book? I rewrote it, crying the entire time, um, thought this is never going to be a picture book. I don't even think um, anybody would want it, but I sent it to my agent, Erin Murphy, anyways, because I hadn't really produced much else that was new. Um, and before I knew it, she had sent it out to different editors. Neil Porter was one of them. And Neil Porter is on my bucket list of... Uh, <laughs> publishing um, and writing career, you know, highs. So, uh, and when Neil, you know, I spoke to him on the phone and he told me that he had showed the manuscript to Jason Chin. That was just yet another bucket list item. Just completely overjoyed. Um, so Neil acquired it, Jason came on board. It, been an amazing journey. I did very little editing afterwards. Um, and we just waited for Jason to have the time to work on it. And the illustrations were worth the wait. They're mm. just 
stunning. Was there any communication between you and Jason during the process or was it pretty separate? No, actually, Neil really encouraged us to collaborate. Uh, I think he trusted us fully. And I personally was a little bit wary of imposing any of my ideas on Jason. I, he asked about my family. We met up at, I think, an NCTE conference. And we sat down and I just rambled on about my family and their story. And uh, I ended up sending him a bunch of photos from when I was little that were set in Ohio. He wanted to know what it looked like, but you know, there was no digital back then, right? So it's all film and my, all the pictures are like, we're just, you know, very composed and it's not, they're not candid and they're definitely not of like a ditch by the side of the road. So uh, he did a ton of research. Um, and every now and then he would call and, and ask me questions or, or text me and stuff. So it was great. It was, it's been a pleasure working with Jason. What was it like seeing um, your words with Jason's art for the first time? Um, lots more tears, <laughs> happy tears. But yeah, uh, he just brought my family to life. Uh, it was amazing. I mean, there are so many little details I'm looking at. It's sitting on my desk, so I'm looking at it. Um, that I never, you know, that we didn't talk about that he just picked up on, whether it was the era, you know, the late 70s, the, the father's striped polyester shirt. My dad has like, you know, closets full of them. Or the corningware on the table, he says, was from his own family. But, you know, I had corningware too in my family. and. I was so impressed with how he brought in the China scene. That was so unexpected to me. Like I didn't know how he was going to um, handle the parts about um, the mother's memories. And it just blew me away. The whole, he told me, I think I'm gonna like have corn, you know, morph into bamboo. And I was like, okay, sure, whatever you wanna do. <laughs> but when I saw it, I was just like, you know, it just blown away. It's amazing. Uh, what was the hardest part about writing this book? I think it was accessing that part of myself that was still this little girl out there feeling very, um, not unloved, but just feeling like I didn't belong in my community. I did grow up in a very white town, but it was very progressive at the same time. Um, it was a college town. People were very open-minded for that time period, but kids didn't necessarily know what their parents knew. And so they didn't necessarily share that sort of open-minded attitude. Um, I was the only Asian kid in my class for a long time. Um, and so to let myself feel those feelings again was hard. So weird to think back about that kid picking watercress. And now there's this beautiful book about that memory. Yeah, I don't think she would ever have thought it was possible <laughs> about something so, to her mind, strange, you know, something that she wanted to keep hidden. It's now out there for everyone to see. It's daunting. <laughs> mm. 
Uh, what is what is your hope for this book? I hope that people come away with empathy, not just for Asian Americans, but for immigrants and children of immigrants, and for children to have more empathy for their parents too. That was something that I didn't come to for a long time because my parents didn't really share a lot about their background. So, you know, I had a lot of resentment and I wish I had known sooner, you know, the story of their lives. The book is dedicated to them. Yeah. In memory of them. Um, what do you think they would have thought of the book? Oh, I was thinking about that this morning. Um, I think they'd be proud, but I think that they would also feel exposed. Not something that necessarily they wanted to share with others. That they were, I don't think they were ashamed of picking watercress from the ditch. Certainly not the way I was. They were very happy about it. They're very practical people. But I think that, you know, the way they're portrayed as possibly, you know, not having as much money as others or, um, you know, that I wore hand-me-down clothes, et cetera, I think they would have been a little bit, like, did you have to tell everybody that? <laughs> but proud, hopefully. I think they'd be proud. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Yarn. Thank you to Andrea for chatting with me about her beautiful book. Thank you to Heinemann Publishing for sponsoring this episode. Thank you to Philip Stead for creating our theme song. Additional music for this episode was provided by the Free Music Archive. Thank you to my co-host, Travis Yonker, for helping me produce this episode. I hope Travis is enjoying the Steph Curry run as much as I am. I'm Colby Sharp. Thank you for listening.